The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How is your work life going? Business? Home? Social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could, but how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made. And by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi. This is the last of a three-episode series on surrogacy as a route to becoming a parent. Our first show focused on the intricacies of the surrogacy process, starting from screening and matching intended parents and carriers. The second episode featured an intended parent who recently became a mother and a surrogate who, after delivering twins for a couple in New York City, found another calling as an employee of Circle Surrogacy, the largest surrogate parenting agency in the world. This final episode focuses on the legal aspects of surrogacy, which are foundational to ensuring a productive investment, especially given the variances in laws both within and across countries. My guest is Dean Hutchison, an expert in international surrogacy law and the director of legal services with Circle Surrogacy. Dean, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So the first thing that comes to mind is so many of the horror stories that we hear in the news about surrogacy, and it would be great if you could dispel some of the fears that those types of stories create. I would be happy to. Um, so personally, I've worked in this um, arena for about 12 years now um, and seen hundreds and hundreds of surrogacy births with no issue with um, couples and in- intended parents and surrogates um, and even egg donors continuing a strong relationship afterwards and no issues. Um, obviously, because there are these stories out there, they do happen. Where I think the the negative impacts or the negative aspects of surrogacy really just get highlighted in the news, and they, we miss the ninety nine percent of the stories that are wonderful stories of um, people um, working together to achieve these goals of parenthood. Um, I think first and foremost, the most important thing for anyone interested in this topic, whether personally or having friends or family to do, is just get educated. And I think um, reviewing all the different agencies and going online to look at things about the agencies and how those agencies operate, you can steer away from these problems from happening. Um, I think the good agencies, you know, I've, as I said, we've worked with Circle now. For, Circle's been a business for 21 years. We've had over 1,100 children uh, born through surrogacy. We've never had a single issue of one of these horror stories of a surrogate trying to uh, retain any rights to the child or issues involving um, egg donors or intended parents. So uh, I think the good agencies, what they do is properly screen um, uh, not only the surrogates, but the intended parents also prior to starting a surrogacy journey. Um, because what, what what we're looking out for in the end is actually the best interest of the child or children to be born. And I think it's very important to make sure all the parties 
um, are doing this for the right reasons and are coming together for the right reasons, and uh, usually that uh, ends in a good outcome for all the parties. It's interesting to hear you say that, Dean, and we had talked about this actually before the show. My impression when I heard some of these stories, and like the example that you gave where there was a surrogate who didn't give the child to the parents and the parents wound up having to pay child support on top of it and having visiting rights only. And I thought initially that it had to do with the legal advice that those individuals had. And it was very interesting to hear your perspective that so much also really comes to the screening process, screening surrogates and screening intended parents. Yeah, because, I mean, we have 50 states with 50 different sets of laws on parentage, on surrogacy, um, some of them stronger than others. Um, so there's obviously the legal advice is important and you want to be in, you want strong contracts and you want to be as protected as possible under the laws of the states. Um, but in the end, what you really want is to make sure you're working with an agency or whether you're independently vetting the surrogate that you're having social workers involved and psychologists involved. Um, because you know, there's obviously bad people in the world and, and people that may not be educated themselves that just think this is an easy way to make money and don't realize the emotional aspects involved. Um, so uh, when all the parties are fully vetted and screened, you tend to not have bad situations arise. Um, and as I mentioned earlier as well, it's even better when these um, social work and support teams are involved throughout the surrogacy, not just the outset because issues can come up during it. And if you have a very active support team, both for the parents and the surrogate, um, you can steer away from, uh, combat these issues before they even occur, before they reach the surface. Uh, you can see if something's going on that should have some preemptive action um, to work with the couple and work with the surrogate to make sure nothing comes of uh, what you think may happen. So like with our health, the key is prevention. Exactly. What about misconceptions that might exist or surprises that might arise related to costs? Because we know that that can be a very intimidating aspect of the process and certain costs you may not even anticipate if they're not ones that appear on your radar when you're speaking with an agency. Yeah. I mean, I I would always, you know, do due diligence in advance that when you're meeting with any agency, Um, and you look at their cost sheet, definitely at least get another agency as well so you can see the difference between the two and what one may be missing and what may be different between. um, um, Because what we try and do at our agency at Circle is give a full picture as much as possible to show parents, you know, these are not only Circle's fees and the surrogate's fees, but insurance costs, medical costs, um, potential travel costs for the surrogates and and or egg donors so that you know, you're, you're well aware of what could be. Um, we also tell people to, you know, add 10 to 20% just to uh, be ready for it if it occurs. Not that it's going to happen or it always happens, but it could happen. Because um, things like, you know, if your first transfer doesn't work and you need a second transfer to a surrogate, there's going to be added costs with a couple more months of insurance or more travel involved. Um, uh, IVF clinics all around the country are going to have different costs uh, you know, ranging from as low as fifteen to eighteen thousand for just doing one transfer to, you know, forty thousand dollars for full packages, and even though some may look more expensive, when they involve unlimited um, uh, IVF and unlimited practices, you actually might save money in the end because you're paying one flat fee and you'll never have to pay it again. 
Um, similarly, you know, uh, you can have a match break in a surrogacy where medically the surrogate after a transfer can't work with you anymore and you need a new surrogate. Um, what we do at Circle is make the whole process unlimited until you have a live child. So whether it takes one surrogate and one transfer to get pregnant or for some reason it takes two surrogates and maybe two egg donors and maybe seven transfers to get pregnant, um, you're never going to pay an extra dollar to Circle to find those surrogates and donors, nor are you going to pay uh, screening costs associated with the surrogate or legal costs associated with drafting contracts. So sometimes an agency that looks more expensive may actually be more cost beneficial in the end because they have an added um, unlimited aspect to it. So I think it's just always smart to look at the full cost sheet, ask the agencies if there's anything missing. Um, and one thing that some people never think about is their own travel involved. Uh, you don't have to make many trips, but Usually the child's being born outside of your home state, and if you do have an early birth or a complicated birth and you need to um, you stay a little longer in that state, that's one area that people don't think about. So there's not only the costs associated with the surrogate and the IVF, et cetera, there's also your own personal costs of travel and hotels and food um, that come into play as well. What about insurance-related costs? There are some situations that people may not anticipate Related to insurance. Yeah, and it's another thing you want to fully vet that we assist in not only looking into the surrogate's insurance to make sure she has good coverage and there's no exclusions for surrogacy um, uh, in helping put in, in place a low-cost option if she needs something extra to supplement it, but it's also parents should look at their own um, insurance because they may have uh, IVF cover and it'll cover a portion of the IVF cost to create their embryos. Um, also, what we've seen really over the last two years is uh, a major shrinkage in the um, uh, network sizes. So there's usually a difference between what your in-network coverage is and your out-of-network coverage is, um, and that insurance is going to cover the child you're going to have through surrogacy. So you want to make sure that there's really no major difference because if you have you know, a child with some uh, higher costs after birth, um, that your insurance is picking up nearly identical to if you had had the child yourself in your own home hospital. Um, so uh, it's not only important to vet that surrogate's insurance, but also to vet your own insurance to make sure you're going to have proper coverage for the child's costs. When you are working with an intended parent, do you go over all of these issues, these insurance-related issues? We do. So uh, in the initial consultation, we bring it to their attention and we tell your intended parents, you know, if you want to, please forward your own insurance to us to review both that IVF coverage and the out-of-network coverage. Um, and then we're reviewing all uh, potential surrogates insurance. Um, and if, if you need to purchase some extra insurance for the surrogate, we're helping you uh, either directly or with an independent uh, third-party insurance broker. Um, we're uh, assisting in the process because there's going to be not only kind of the health insurance for the pregnancy, but we also like to add some extra insurance, some IVF cover um, that covers any complications that could occur from the IVF, as well as we like to have a life insurance policy and plan for the surrogate in case, you know, the worst case scenario was to happen and the surrogate was to pass away. We want to make sure that the, her family is protected as well. So you have this way all of the major expenses covered in those plans, and then you're pretty much doing co-pays and deductibles. Correct. Um, in most of these plans, you're, um, either if the surrogate has good insurance, you're just going to cover her deductibles and co-pays. Um, otherwise, if you're putting in a plan in place, um, you're going to pay for the premiums and the co-pays and deductibles. When I was learning about Circle, I read you brought up this issue around fees 
in situations where an intended couple or an individual, an, an intended individual parent needs to be rematched with a surrogate or even an egg donor. And I read that maybe about 20% of the time that could happen. Yeah, it's, it's um, I'm not showing the exact numbers, but it can happen because you know, both the surrogate and the egg donor are going to have per- perfect medical records in the sense of prior pregnancies or prior donations. Um, but if they've never been a surrogate before and never been on the medications, they may not take to them right, or they may just have something come up in their life that takes them away from being a surrogate. So um, it, it really, it's probably the same statistically throughout the all agencies. Um, and I think, you know, when you're looking at them and you can cap these fees if you need an extra, uh, and you need a new surrogate. We used to have free rematches with surrogates, but they'd still cost upwards of five, $6,000 just in the third-party costs. This is why we've tried to capture all those costs in an unlimited plan so that if you're having a negative uh, aspect to your surrogacy journey, it's not compounded with a, you owe us an extra amount of money to do this. We're going to, as part of our fee, find you a new surrogate at no extra cost or find a new egg donor. Right. So people just need to be attentive to that aspect of the cost Exactly. They want to make sure that the you find out when you're uh, meeting with agencies um, what the cost would be if you need a rematch um, at the different stages of the journey. So we talked about the importance of the screening process as preventative for some of these issues that come up in the news that can scare any of us. We talked about cost elements also that folks need to be mindful of. Are there any other fears that you think are important to dispel? Yeah, I think one of them is, you know, a lot of couples come to us um, with a you know, background or a, their own personal history of you know, being in, an inability to get pregnant or some losses or miscarriages, and they don't think anything's going to work for them. Um, and they you know, come in with a negative outlook on it and from an IVF perspective, as well as just the whole surrogacy process. Um, and I think that rumor needs to be dispelled in one way or another. I mean, meeting with the doctors that we put you in touch with, you see how much better success rates are getting and the different types of pre-genetic screening that can be done on embryos to find the best embryos available to to transfer um, and the higher likelihood of success on those pregnancies. Um, So, you know, I think that's one of the fears is that people just think nothing is going to work. I also just think there's a general fear of surrogacy itself because there has been a little bit of a social stigma attached to it um, that if people really got the full picture um, in the news and in the media, if it wasn't just Celebrity X had a baby through surrogacy or this horrible story happened through surrogacy and people saw um, the way lives are changed, not only in the parents' lives changed by having a child, but even the surrogates will all tell you that they had a major uh, that this is almost as big of an impact on their life as it is on the um, parents. Um, the, the, a lot of the, f- just the fear of going forward with the journey or a potential journey would go away. Um, it's a not a simple process, but I think it's a simpler process than most people think. Um, and it's you know, really been happening now in the U.S. for 30 plus years uh, from a legal context. You're protected um, you know, even states that don't have full statutory schemes or case law history, you're the genetic parents usually, or at least one of you is the genetic parent. You're protected from a, a parentage standpoint that even if a surrogate ever did try and um, try and uh, contend for rights, she's not going to be successful. 
but I can speak in my 12 years in circles, 20 years, it's never happened in our history. And really in 30 plus years in the United States, it's happened maybe a dozen times on record. Um, so it's not something that is a common occurrence for the thousands of children that have been born through surrogacy. Right. So there may be a concern. You're entering a very sensitive process. You're entering a process that is very high stakes. It means a lot to people with everything that they've gone through before they actually explore surrogacy and decide to step in. So it seems as though you're encouraging that there are legal legal measures that are protective of people who come into this experience and also a lot of supports that are in place that help people to prevent and address issues. Yeah, I think, you know, the full service agencies um, that have a full legal staff that's vetting everything in advance, as well as relationships with lawyers around the country, um, as well as internationally to protect you when you go home as well, coupled with intended parent social work support and surrogate social work support. Um, And what I really love about Circle, too, is we have many former surrogates that work for us, as well as many parents through surrogacy that work for us that have their own personal connection to this process. Um, You're always going to find someone there that you can relate to and that if you're having an issue or you're nervous about something, there is many people at Circle that can speak from their own experience. Um, And, you know, I, one of the favorite parts of my job um, is the relationships I've formed with intended parents that come to me with questions throughout that, um, you know, I, I used to love traveling abroad just to see the sights, and then my meetings were nice on the side. Uh, my last trip in Sweden, and eight nights, I had dinner at six different couples' homes that had children with us, um, and it's a much more rewarding experience now. So, um, you know, I, I think the more and more knowledge people have on these topics and the more they see the actual world of U.S.-based surrogacy, uh, I think the less nervous and less fear there will be in the process. It's interesting to hear that many of the people, as you mentioned, who work within a surrogacy agency environment have a strong personal connection and also a vested interest in seeing these situations be successful and a very strong connection with the people who are involved, the intended parents and the surrogates. We're going to go to a brief commercial. When we come back, Dean will discuss international surrogacy law. Stay with us. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. 
If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoke All at CIOTalkNetwork.com. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. Welcome back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi speaking with Dean Hutchison, an expert in international surrogacy law and the director of legal services with Circle Surrogacy. Dean dispelled some of the common fears associated with surrogacy. We're now going to go into a core area of his expertise, some of the key aspects of international surrogacy law that are important for you to know. So Dean, I'm aware that about 56% of the intended parents who use Circle as their surrogacy agency are international. Yeah, it's been, um, you know, I think a lot of it had to do initially with Circle's kind of East Coast presence. That our offices were in Massachusetts, um, and our president John Weltman um, it was fluent in French. So it, uh, his foray kind of internationally was to um, start to get French-intended parents that needed surrogacy. Um, in France, surrogacy was strongly prohibited. It was criminally um, illegal to do it, um, and really, parents faced potential issues coming home to France having done it abroad. Um, uh, but it, uh, much like any fear, once one person does it and you see them do it successfully, more and more people do it. I think as of right now, we've helped couples in over 77 countries around the world. Um, and where it becomes know, tough, but all countries will have different citizenship requirements, different birth certificate requirements, different ways to get home from an uh, immigration standpoint. Um, so, you know, working with experienced attorneys, not only domestically, but internationally, making sure that all the couples have a, a plan to get home. Um, you know, and I, I think um, what we try and do most uh, internationally now is we try and have been setting up kind of groups of parents in the different countries that we've helped um, to put together functions, not only of uh, parents through surrogacy, but people that are thinking about it to um, you know, encourage people that are maybe afraid um, and may be nervous that if they get caught doing this, their child is going to face issues and they're going to face issues abroad that we've all done this. All these people have done this. We've all gone to the U.S. or other countries to do surrogacy um, and we've come home and our children are fine. Our children are in schools. Our children have the same benefits that any child born uh, you know, to parents in those countries have. Um, and, and the other aspect, too, is that there's really not many places to go for surrogacy. Um, uh, India was a big hotbed for surrogacy that's been closed down since January to all foreigners, so no one can go other than um, Indian citizens. Um, uh, Thailand was 
a hopping place for a little while that shut down after the baby gammy case, which was a case where an Australian couple um, had twins in Thailand and they one had Down syndrome, one didn't, and they only took home one child. So the authorities in Thailand took um, ended surrogacy there. Uh, Nepal had surrogacy for a while. That's now illegal. In Mexico, it's sometimes legal, sometimes isn't. And the Ukraine has surrogacy, but it's um, you know not a not the best of places right now with the Russian invasion of Crimea a year or so ago, and just not set up like the United States. So um, a lot of people come here because it's the one place they can, but also because they're protected under the laws, um, and it's just a different. Um, uh, a different social way it's set up as well as medically it's better the IVF's better the hospitals are usually better um, so we've definitely had a strong international client base and it continues to grow so aside from the United States what are the other countries that you work with where they do surrogacy within those countries so we have all of our surrogates are always in the United States but countries where we have intended parents from that could do it in their home country so um the United Kingdom has surrogacy. It's altruistic surrogacy, which means the surrogate can't be compensated. She can only get certain re- reasonable reimbursements. And agencies can't charge a fee to match surrogates with um, uh, intended parents. Um, the negatives to the UK surrogacy is that a surrogate, no matter what her genetic tie to the child is, has a six-week opportunity to change her mind and keep the child. So there is a greater risk there, obviously. I don't think there's many cases where surrogates have done it in the UK, but it does add that, um, uh, that aspect. Um, Canada has surrogacy as well. Um, it is altruistic there too. So there's a long waiting list to find surrogates and similarly agencies can't, um, make money matching. Um, so it can be done there. It's just not, uh, there's not as many available surrogates because of the altruistic part. Um, and then I know Denmark has, a very odd version of surrogacy where you can only work with a family member as your surrogate and you can only use her eggs. So she's the donor and the surrogate. So it's traditional surrogacy with a family member. So again, just not a huge um, number of people doing it there. Um, and you know, a lot of countries like Denmark, like um, Australia, Ireland, or not Ireland, Italy, France, Germany, they all have these you know, prohibitions on surrogacy that um, really instill lots of fear in those uh, country citizens, these people that just want to have the chance to have a child um, with kind of the Hague Convention on Adoption. Adoption is near impossible in many of these countries, especially for same-sex couples. Um, so there's really only one outlet, and they're you know, being denied that kind of uh, right uh, to go forward. Um, we've been lucky in the last couple of years, though, it seems that Europe is progressing towards at least accepting the children born in the United States or in other countries through surrogacy. Uh, And actually the European Court of Human Rights had a big decision in a famous French case where they allowed the couple to live with their children born through surrogacy in France but wouldn't give the child or children citizenship and uh, other rights in France. And the European Court of Human Rights said, you know, as long as a French citizen is on that birth certificate and is the biological parent, um, France must give that child the same rights as any other child because in attempting to punish the child or in attempting to punish the parents, you're actually punishing the child and not giving them their full human rights under the um, uh, European court. So um, we've seen progression. We've even seen Germany that had one of the strongest anti-surrogacy statutes um, 
accept a U.S. court order granting two dads' rights last year. Um, the first time we've seen Europe do that, where they said um, you know, that their public policy against surrogacy was outweighed by the public policy for a child to have two parents, and they accepted a U.S. court order establishing those rights. Um, so I think we're, we're, we're at least starting to um, uh, come to a, a time in Europe where they're becoming more accepting of surrogacy. And I, and I think a lot of their fears in and a lot of the anti-surrogacy movement is based on ignorance, really. I mean, they just don't understand what U.S. surrogacy is and they don't understand the process. So if someone's in a country where either based on the law they're unable to pursue surrogacy as a parenting option or if it's just difficult to pursue, what recommendations would you offer? Yeah, I mean, I would say similarly to domestic parents to to look at the United States, to look at the different agencies, to definitely speak to counsel in those countries to make sure you're doing it proper and make sure your return is proper. Um, some countries will have little nuances to make sure, you know, in some countries it's best to work with a single woman as their surrogate from a parentage perspective under their country's laws. Um, but, the, you know, the, the, the good full-service agencies have a strong foundation on what you're supposed to be doing in your home country and how you're supposed to return home, but they'll put you in touch with experts in those countries to tell you exactly how it should be done and exactly the process. Um, and seek out groups. There's a lot of groups now in Europe and all the different countries that um, uh, you know are discussing surrogacy, and they're made up of lawyers and parents through surrogacy and um, et cetera that are that are trying to foster um, relationships in the community to find people that are interested in it to show we've all done this. You can do it too. The more you wait, you're just putting off the inevitable. If you really want to, you know, pursue having a child through surrogacy, do it. Uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people have done it in the past. Uh, you know, I think because of the uh, fears in those countries, people aren't as outward of it. So there's probably people in their, in their businesses, in their jobs, in their other kids' schools that have, were born through surrogacy and they just don't know it. Um, I, I laugh every time we're in Norway. It's a small country, so everyone knows each other. Um, it seems that way at least, but we'll have a, a group meeting um, where parents through circle um, speak about their experience and the last three trips um, the parents on the panel knew at least one couple that came into the crowd and neither of them knew they had done surrogacy or were interested in surrogacy because people are just quiet about it so uh, the more and more people speak out about it and show that it is a positive experience I think the more and more people will be uh, willing to try it and willing to you know to pursue uh, you know their dreams of parenthood you're encouraging then people locally to explore what supportive resources might be available so that they can come at this in a really informed way yeah and there's a lot and, and i think just doing a simple google search you'll find and you know, there's a swedish online group there's a danish online group um there's a, a parent gay parenting association in france um, there's lots of different um, uh, these associations you can find pretty simply um, that always you know they have their own meetings they all always they bring in attorneys as well. Um, what we try and do at Circle is have uh, monthly webinars for different countries um, that we advertise on the site for free that you can come and just hear about Circle and hear from a parent um, from that country and sometimes an attorney from that country as well um, to just get more knowledge. I mean I think 
the way to defeat these negative perceptions of surrogacy is just more and more information and more and more education. Dean, does Circle work with people from any country? We do. I mean, as long as we um, can do our social work screening on the parents as well as um, a criminal background check, um, we'll work with anyone that fits our guidelines. We do have specific guidelines for our intended parents as well from an age perspective, from um, uh, uh, make sure financially they can afford the process. Um, uh, but we'll really work with anyone from any country. Um, the, the benefits to U.S. surrogacy is the child is a U.S. citizen at birth, so it's, you know, if it's still even tough to get the uh, citizenship or passport of their home country, they can at least travel home initially on a U.S. passport to get back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've worked with um, couples from Nigeria, from Kenya, from South Africa, um, China, Japan, um, Taiwan, all of Europe, uh, pretty much Russia. Um, um, I just, I know I'm, I'm setting up legal work for a couple from Kazakhstan, which I never thought that would happen. Um, Israel, South America, Chile, uh, Brazil, uh, Mexico, so um, really all over the world. So even if particular countries only allow altruistic surrogacy within those countries, from a legal standpoint, a citizen of that country, like a citizen of England, could still employ a surrogacy agency in the United States. Yes, so there's only only two countries that I have knowledge of that that, um, don't allow you to pursue surrogacy outside, you know, territorially outside of your borders, and that's Denmark and, us, and certain states in Australia, not all of Australia is the same, or certain territories of Australia. Um, but even in those, those countries, uh, I know in Denmark there's been one couple that was um, uh, the government or the police brought a case against them for doing surrogacy abroad. They received a 30-day prison sentence didn't have to serve it as long as they didn't get in trouble during that 30-day period. So they, you know, they got a criminal offense, but nothing happened. Um, similarly, in Australia, I think two or three couples in 10 years have been brought up on charges of illegally you know, of violating their surrogacy statute and going overseas to do it. They, they each paid a $100 fine. So even in the countries that territorially ban you from going ex- or extraterritorially ban you from going overseas to do commercial surrogacy, there's really been no... Uh, the impact on parents that have gone home, um, but yes, in all the all the other countries, if there's no ban on doing it outside of the country, they can't stop you from coming to the United States, doing surrogacy, and going home with the child. It's good to hear that people have that option. Yeah, yeah it's it's. I mean, in in the end, um, really, I, I think in the end, what all these countries are starting to show is they're not going to do anything to harm the child born through the surrogacy. So even if they're mad at you as parents for going to do it, there's not going to be a negative implication because anything they do to the parent is going to actually impact the child. Is it common practice for the legal team of the U.S. surrogacy agency to collaborate with attorneys abroad to ensure that all of the laws in that particular region are considered? It is, um, and then it's in most countries, not for all of them, but you know, for the U- United Kingdom, where we know they're going to do a legal process when they return home, we're making sure they're working with counsel throughout. Um, uh, just offhand, I know in the Netherlands, 
They need specific wording in their court orders, so we always have them work with an attorney while we're doing it who's reviewing the U.S. court work. Uh, Similarly, in Israel as well, there's certain language we like to see. Um, And we always put our intended parents in touch with counsel um, prior to starting the process as well as during the process to make sure um, they're doing everything they need to do to make their travel home, um, their um, residency, their stay uh, not impacted by this process. Right, so there are a lot of considerations to manage then. There are. But again, like I said, there's a lot of people that have done it. There's a lot of help. There's a lot of support. Um, So don't be afraid because of those considerations. There are many people that have done it before you and many people here to assist you in the process. We have just a minute left until we need to go to commercial. Is there anything else that you'd like to say about international surrogacy law? Yeah, I mean, I would say anyone who's looking into it, um, you know, it's a very safe place to come do it. Um, there's no, the social stigmas that you may see in your home countries, you don't see in the United States. Uh, I always say it's not only impossible now to find a hospital that hasn't had a surrogacy birth, um, but actually doesn't have a protocol in place for surrogacy births. Um, and in all honesty, I know some our same sex couples are a little nervous coming here, you know, especially if they're in a state they think might be, um, a little homophobic, um, they're usually treated better than the other patients at the hospital when they're birthed because mm-hmm. they're a different scenario. They have an accent. They're coming from a different country, so they tend to get most of the attention in those cases. So we're hearing that it's a supported experience. If you're coming here from abroad to have a surrogate in the United States to go through this whole process from a hospital point of view and a social point of view, people have the support that they need. They do, and it's they. Everyone is always surprised at how much uh, interaction they have. Thank you, Dean. We're going to go to a quick commercial. When we return, Dean will discuss what you need to know about domestic surrogacy laws. We'll be back shortly. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. My guest this week was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Clinton, Mr. Henry Cisneros, who will be here to talk about 13 trends which make investing in real estate in urban centers a sure bet. Don't miss Henry Cisneros this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com.
You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. Welcome back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined by Dean Hutchinson, an expert in international surrogacy law and the director of legal services with Circle Surrogacy, the largest surrogate parenting agency in the world. Dean discussed key aspects of international surrogacy law. This last segment will focus on domestic law. Dean, what do we need to know about domestic, hmm. domestic law? The, the first thing we need to know is that our U.S. legal system, we have 50 states with 50 different sets of laws on not only surrogacy but parentage law in particular. So um, the most important state involved in this whole process is the state where the surrogate's going to deliver the child. Um, and I say deliver the child because sometimes a surrogate lives close to a border. I, I give the example all the, way, all the time of southern New Hampshire surrogates tend to deliver in Massachusetts just because of the closeness of the hospitals there. So the Massachusetts law is actually more important than New Hampshire. Um, so when we are looking for surrogates, um, we're looking for surrogates from states um, that either have this kind of divided into three categories, surrogates from states with statutory law. So they actually have codified statutes um, that um, say who can do a surrogacy, what the requirements are. Um, And some of these states are good and some of them aren't that great. And I say that because uh, some of them were drafted 10 plus years ago when surrogacy was a lot different and equated more to adoption. And it's a very time consuming process. Uh, I'll give you an example. Virginia um, has a surrogacy statute that if you follow it to a T, you have to do a lot of work prior to ever even doing a transfer to just get the surrogacy contract validated. Um, and then if the surrogate doesn't get pregnant or gets uh, you know, can't match with you after that, uh, you've spent all this money to get a contract approved that doesn't matter. Um, there's states that have um, case law history approving of surrogacy, states like Massachusetts that have a you know uh, appeals court decision saying that um, you know, who the real parent, who the true parents are in a surrogacy, um, and then you have states that just have years of history of um, following um, uh, these famous decisions um, and have you know routinely given court orders uh, establishing parentage rights. Um, so we're matching in one of those states. There's actually six states you can't do surrogacy in the United States at the moment. Um, uh, well, I should say five states in a territory, but uh, New York has a statutory prohibition on surrogacy. That th- there is a good law that's been in their legislature for a couple of years, just hasn't come forward that would change this. Um, uh, but as of right now, you can't. Uh, New Jersey's a state. Uh, you can't do surrogacy. Washington state has a non, you can't do compensated surrogacy. Uh, Michigan, Nebraska, um, and Washington, D.C. Um, so other than that, most of the states you can work in, some of them are a little better from a legal standpoint than others. Um, uh, but, um, you know, Depending, you know, we obviously want to prep you on what the laws are and what you can expect. Um, but many states, you know, routinely get parentage orders granting you full rights um, either prior to birth or after birth. Dean, if if you're dealing with a domestic client, so you have a domestic intended parent, and they need to get a surrogacy contract approved, would that happen in the state in which they reside? So we usually like to have representation of 
the parties um, either in the state where they reside or the state where the IVF is happening or the state of the surrog- where the surrogacy is going to happen. It really depends on the state's laws on you know who who can represent. Um, some states like Nevada in their surrogacy statute require that Nevada attorneys are involved for both the surrogate and the intended parent during the contract phase. Um, so it depends state by state of you know who's drafting the contract, who's allowed to, and who's allowed to represent the surrogate. Usually, um, if there's any discrepancy, it's the surrogate you know, may need an attorney from her home state to be safe. Um, we always have our contracts vetted, um, even if they're not fully representing one side, at least the contract is vetted by a local counsel um, to make sure it accords with the laws of those states. As you mentioned, there are three potential geographies. There's the geography where the intended parent or parents reside. There's the geography where the surrogate resides. And then there's a geography where the baby or babies are born. Correct. And then even sometimes the geography of the IVF, uh, just the example, California's statute is very broad regarding surrogacy. So if any portion of the surrogacy takes place in California, if you read the statute as it's written, you can get um, California parentage court orders. So even if you just do the IVF process, if you pick a California clinic and your surrogate's from North Carolina and you're from Massachusetts, you can technically get a California parentage order that North Carolina should have to accept um, establishing your parentage. So sometimes even that little nuance can come into play and and, and add a different um, aspect to who can make a judgment on parentage. So is your process that you take a look at the laws of the different geographies that are involved and then you would advise the client? It's it's that and it's also exactly what the parents are looking for. And and what I mean by that is there's different types of processes there to establish your parentage rights. There's some states that have pre-birth orders, which as titled is a court order declaring your parentage prior to the baby even arriving. Um, There's some states that have post-birth orders, which is the same thing. It just happens they're required under that state that they can't uh, establish parentage until the baby's born. And then there's some states when um, specifically when a non-genetic parent is included, you know, if a donor was used or it's a same-sex couple, um, where you need to establish the second parent's rights through a second parent adoption. So um, there's, uh, you know, geography comes into play on, you know, do you want statutory scheme? Are you okay with the case law scheme coupled with what exactly do you want in the end? Do you want uh, a lot of couples like a pre-birth order because everything is done before the baby getting there and it simplifies the process that the only thing they're worrying about um, at birth is the baby and taking care of the baby and getting back home. So you gather this information before you even do the match? Yes. So when we, um, uh, when our parent works with us, uh, a big part of the gear up to a match is getting their profile ready because we uh, they're going to share that profile with intended um, surrogates to see if the surrogate wants to work with them as well but also exactly what they're looking for in a match so um, when we're matching um, intended parents with surrogates we want to we hope that that first person we present to them is someone that they want to work with um, based on a personality aspect based on the law what the legal process is going to be um, based on their uh, IVF clinics already passing them as a good surrogate, things like that. So our hope is that the first person we send you, or at least one of the first couple people we send you, is the person you end up working with. So right, so part of the alignment process is to take a look at the laws in the territory where the surrogate is residing, which oftentimes becomes the place where the baby is born. Correct. 
Um, and then we will still look at where the parents are from, and uh, not as important anymore. But um, same-sex couples um, that you know, both obviously wanted parentage rights, if they were coming from a state where they could do a second parent adoption when they got home, like a New York or Massachusetts or many other states, um, their match might not be as specific initially because they wouldn't care as much if they're both on the initial birth certificate or um, even on the second birth certificate, as long as they could come home, establish their parentage rights through that second parent adoption, they were okay with no matter where the first, you know, what the first birth certificate looked like. Um, you know, since the uh, Supreme Court ruling on uh, the Obergef, Obergef, I always pronounce it wrong, Obergefell decision um, uh, that you know, allowed for same-sex marriage nationwide, a lot of this issue's gone kind of out the door because there's more states where you can match now as a same-sex couple and both get your names on the birth certificate, um, uh, either pre-birth or post-birth, based on the fact that you're a married couple. Um, they can use statutes that initially were drafted for surrogacy that only allowed for married couples and only worked for heterosexual couples. They were now you know, are allowed to utilize it as a same-sex couple. Um, but we still, you know, we want to give all the different options to our intended parents so they know the difference, what we think may be better than another, but they still have the final say in the end of how they want the legal work to look, uh, what states are better for them, et cetera. Aside from the decision about establishing parenting rights before the child's born compared to after the child's born, what are other important decisions that are made related to the law? Yeah, I mean... I would say, you know, just from the contract standpoint, there's obviously going to be a lot of issues in the contracts that um, may or may not be, uh, I don't want to say aren't legal, but may not be actionable in essence. Um, so they they want to make sure their contract is okay um, and their contract will work in the state they're in. So, I mean, first and foremost, when you're matching someone um, and you're, you're negotiating and drafting a contract on their behalf, you want to make sure they're fully protected. Um, and, and part of that is that the contract's valid. Um, um, but really, I mean, parentage is the most important part. Um, so if surrogacy is viable and their parentage can be concluded in that state, you know, it's fine. Um, so there's not many other legal things to look into. Obviously, insurance, which we kind of touched on, related to legal. So we want to make sure insurance works in, you know, in between that if you're a New York couple and you have a certain type of insurance that it works in the state where the intended parent or where the surrogate is delivering. Um, so you have that coverage for the baby and things like that. So legal looks over the insurance contract. Yeah. So, I mean, we were kind of involved in you know, not only the legal process, but the insurance part, as well as the financial portion as well, you know, uh, uh, you know helping out, um, and some of the other contracts in the process, you know, if you obviously you're going to engage in an IVF clinic for the process, if you want us to review those contracts um, to make sure you're fully protected, um, consent forms with donors as well as contracts with donors, um, we want to make sure you're fully protected in that aspect as well. So um, all the different contracts with the different parties, um, you should have counsel look at, including the contract with your agency. Um, it's always good to have a you know a, a legal mind, especially someone who's in this field. Um, look at it. Um, you're, you're working with a reputable agency, and they're not um, having a totally one-sided contract with you. Well, who would be the person who would look at the contract? Are there independent lawyers who specialize in surrogacy and they handle situations like this? Yeah, I mean, we usually, um, if if an intended parent wants an attorney to look at it, we 
you know, we usually advise to find someone in this field, and we'll give some names that um, of intended of, of attorneys with surrogacy background in their home state, um, because we'd rather, you know, number one, they're probably going to be less expensive than the big firms in those states, but we'd rather have if you're going to have an attorney review it, someone who has experience in this field, and not just someone who has you know, never seen a surrogacy agreement, never doesn't even know what surrogacy is, um, you know, negotiating on your behalf. What about special considerations for people who are coming from abroad to do this process? Um, Like related to domestic law? Yeah, I mean, there's not much for them. I mean, I think their biggest thing is residency in their home country and citizenship in their home country is more important than any domestic laws um, and how it coincides. And, you know, just for example, if you're coming from Denmark or from um, Norway or from some of these countries that require the surrogate to remain on the initial birth certificate just for their own um, uh, parentage purposes in those countries that they're matching um, uh, in a state where that can happen because some states won't allow the surrogate to be on the birth certificate at all because she's not you know, the genetic parent. Um, so, you know, I think knowing what your home country's requirements are and that it can work in that state um, is important, is probably the only, the major real important from a domestic aspect. And that, you said, happens through collaboration between the legal team here and, and legal people within that person's country. Correct. And, I mean, the other smaller nuances as well are things like, you know, what does U.S. citizenship mean to my child in the future? Um, you know, every U.S. every U.S. citizen is a taxpayer, whether they live here or live abroad. Um, so I think informing them of those you know, those those issues too to look into to make sure you know you can always renounce citizenship when you reach a certain age and it might be something your child at that stage wants to do from a tax perspective um, uh, also from a social security perspective what impact that may have um, in the future too um, you know the those are probably the two issues nobody thinks about in this process but you know if your child inherits a lot of uh, you know someone in your family passes away and has a big inheritance but you know, they're under the U.S. tax code, so they may have to pay taxes on it, even though the inheritance occurs in France or in Germany or in another country. Dean, it sounds so simple the way that you explain it. It, it, <laughs> it is. So where do people run into trouble? Because as I'm hearing, you know, you gave a lot of reassurance to people internationally that if they decide to do surrogacy here, you don't have the same stigmas here, you have support structures set up here, and for the most part... Most countries won't get in their way. Yeah, I mean, I think where they run into problems is they either, um, you know, think they're saving money at a smaller agency or think they're saving money by doing it themselves, and they just you know, they don't properly vet the agency to make sure you know that everything's happening for right. I mean, we've you know when we've lost intended parents to other agencies, and then they come back a year later with the sob story that you know. They were supposed to be matched with a single carrier, and they told they were, but the carrier was actually not divorced yet, and now they're having issues granting citizenship rights. I mean, I think that's where they run into problems. I think it has more to do with you know, properly selecting the agency initially um, so that you know you have these support structures in place throughout. And you would say that, of course, from a domestic point of view as well. Exactly. I mean, it's, 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 I think the, that first choice of the agency makes all the difference in the world. How do you know how to properly vet the agency? I mean, I, I think 
very easily just finding out if they're full service, how many surrogacies they've done, you know, is, are there lawyers in house, are there social work in house, you know, what do you have to do as a as an intended parent? What are you responsible for versus what's the agency going to help you with? Um, and getting lots of, you know, more than one referral, you know, you want to talk to a couple different um, parents that have worked through that agency. Um, I think it's just important to see other people that have worked with them and been successful um, so that they can give you an idea of, you know, what it's like to work with agency X or Y um, and what they liked most and what they didn't like. Thank you, Dean. So that's the common thread we're taking away from our conversation today as we're wrapping up related to fears that you were referring to related to international law and domestic law. It seems that a very key point you're bringing out is the front-end process of vetting the agency, having comparisons, talking to different agencies to understand their process and who's on their team and what they're responsible for, what the client is responsible for. Yeah, I think education is key, and the more information you get, the more people you interview, the the more likely you're going to pick the perfect fit for you and the more protected you're going to be in the process. And I think the biggest thing is you know, try and throw those fears out the window initially because many, many, many people have done this in the United States, whether they're domestic or international. And the small number of horror stories you hear um, are not reflective of what U.S. surrogacy is. Um, it is an amazing thing, um, and I'm very proud to be a part of it and very happy to be a part of it. Um, and I, I just think, again, just find out the information and there's many places to find it. Thank you so much, Dean. I'm grateful to you for wrapping up this episode series with the legal perspective, since that's where a lot of people really have many concerns. And on this very reassuring note. Thank you. It was great. And we've re- referenced Circle Surrogacy throughout this series. If you'd like to learn more about the agency's approach and history, please visit circlesurrogacy.com. That's C-I-R-C-L-E-S-U-R-R-O-G-A-C-Y.com. If you have unanswered questions or comments about today's episode, email me at hosthemda at gmail.com. And stay connected to the show by following me on Twitter at Hemda Mizrahi and liking us on Facebook at Turn the Page Radio. Until next week, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, inviting you to turn the page. Thank you for tuning in to our program. Turn the Page can be heard live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.